0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Nautica Twang. Today I'll be your host and I'm joined by a bunch of melanated people today, but we're gonna start off with the the only two that you really know. So we have nads and shads, but we'll get to their intros right after this. So we're back, and today we are going to be speaking about the Black Man Can, just about everything about being Black in the Caribbean, in a North American space, even in Africa, and how we've used our Blackness to navigate society. Now, before getting into the meat of the matter, we are going to do the intros, and we're going to start with Nads and shads. So we always go with shads. so this week I'm going to ask Nads to start first. Nads, how was your week?
1: Hi. Everyone, it was good. Um, still tired. Still want an extra day so I can sleep longer. Um, you know what? I don't. I want to stop good work. Yeah, that's just what I want to do. But that's not the case because I need to pay the bills, right? Yeah.
0: True. True. The government <laughs> is listening to this, and they're waiting for your CERB application. Shads.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope you're. you're in, you, you intend to keep working. How was your week?
2: I'm always hustling. Hustling. I got my day job. I got my after work job. Um, But I've been good. Can't complain. The weekend was blessed as per usual. Today is a good day for Jamaicans, for Black women because Biden announced who his running mate is and We're just hoping that they win because we finna have a Jamaican in the White House. Sorry, I just had to put that though there because you know where the grid is.
0: We've had that before and I'm pretty sure our Vinci listeners will not appreciate that. Um, But thanks for sharing. (laughs) Now we're going to start with Ade. Ade is from the continent itself. So Ade, introduce yourself to the fans. Hi, everyone. My name is Ade Mola Adebayo. Uh, I'm an African
3: man. I currently live in Ottawa in Canada. My week has been good so far. It's been a wonderful week. Hectic one with the kids running around the house, trying to homeschool. It's not been easy, (laughs) but hey, what can we do? We bless God. We're still alive. We're in good health and everything is fine. I'm so happy to be here
0: tonight. Thanks, Adi. And we're going to move on to the island of Jamaica. Michael, big up yourself.
4: Yes, man. Big up, big up, you know. Name is Michael representing Yard, a.k.a. Jamaica, you know. I would say it's sunny, but it's night now, so, you know. It's just cool, and I'm um, in Portmore, so we're not getting much winter yeah It's just
0: all right. Cool, cool. And we got Mr. Byron from the Six, Byron... What's up?
5: going on? Let's see you save the best for last.
0: This is the board, Byron
5: J, representing Toronto. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Just uh, waiting
0: for this check to clear. <clears throat> <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, let's get started. You finna try to collect money all the time. This is not, <laughs> this, this is not the day. Okay, <laughs> so I wanted to get into just, you know, blackness and how how was life for you growing up as a Black male? So I know we have people on the panel from the diaspora. We have someone from Africa. We have people from Jamaica. We have people who live in North America, or they've traversed um, between the Caribbean and North America, or maybe just different countries in North America. So I want to get the, I want to start at the motherland. So Ade, tell us about growing up in Africa and what did it mean to be a male coming from a traditional um, African home? Like, what were you expected to do?
3: Yeah, growing up in Africa, it, it was fun and tedious as well, especially when you're a man. And the thing for me, Uh, I wouldn't say it's unfortunate. It was good. But at the same time, it was tedious because I happened to be the first boy of the family after four girls.
1: Mm. So
3: there's a big expectation on you. And as a black man growing up in Africa, you're automatically growing up to become the man of the house. You're automatically Mm. growing up to become the head of the family at some point. So the kind of training you get growing up as a black African man, as an African man anyways, in Africa, we're all black. So growing up (laughs) as an African man, there's a lot of expectation on you. You don't want to mess up. You can't afford to do the way the ladies are doing. You can't afford to take everything with levity. So your parents expect a lot from you. The society expects a lot from you. The society expects you to be the breadwinner of your family. Your parents expect you to project the name of the family in a good stand. You don't want to mess up the name of your family, right? Because you're going to be like an heir of that family. So everywhere you go, highs are on you all over. And there's a saying in Africa that uh, it takes only one man to give birth to a child. But it takes a whole community to raise that child, so you can imagine how that feels. In your community, it is not only your parents that are watching you; everyone around you is looking up to you, and even your younger ones as well. So it's really, it, it, it really takes a toll on you. It's takes a little burden on you that you're growing up as a black man, and you're growing up as uh, to become a man. So expectations always high even from the from as little as age one or age two expectations are always high
0: from you so i know you mentioned expectations so i'm gonna go into um going to my grandparents in rural jamaica i know my grandfather growing up like he had goats and he would say you know go tie the goats um in a field or, or something of that nature right and i know it may not be the same in africa so when we're talking about expectations. Like, what did you have to know how to do as a male in an African home? Did you have to know how to cook? Did you have to know how to repair stuff? Did you have to know how to, let's say, go into the fields or to carry on a family business? How, what were the, what was was your role as a male exactly? All right, as a male in Africa, growing up as a male
3: in Africa, all of those things you mentioned, are part of the goals are part of the expectations your parents expect you to be able to carry on the family business if there is one your parents expect you if they have a farm you guys go to farm together if your dad is waking up 5 a.m. to go to the farm my brother you must wake up 5 a.m. to go with the farm with him it doesn't matter even if you're four or five years old you come to the farm with him he shows you how you do how he does his things On the farm. So the family expects you to carry on so many things, especially the legacy of the family. The legacy of the family is very important. In Africa, we take that legacy very important, very, very special. It is dear to our heart. So the family wants you to take up the legacy that is being run in that family. Even when you are outside the country, it doesn't matter where you go, the family still expects you to uphold the legacy of the family. So if there is a business in the family, you want to continue that business after your father. If there's something you need to do, if there's something that has been going on in the family for ages, for centuries, your parents expect you as the man of the house to continue this thing, to take up this challenge, to take up this responsibility as well, wherever you find yourself. As a matter of fact, some people don't even get the opportunity to leave Africa just like I have done. Because there's a lot on them. There's a lot on their neck. There's a lot the family is expecting from them. So their family is like, hey, you can't go away. You can't go far from the family. This is your family. You have responsibilities. So there's a lot of things on our neck. And if your family do not have any business or you don't have a farm, my brother, you must read your book. In Africa, we believe the only way to success is you going to school. Read properly and become something someone great in life, especially for your family and for yourself. So all of these challenges boils down on who you have to be when you grow up, even from the tender age.
0: Thank you, Ade. Now that was that was deep like i I expected um maybe a little bit more fun but we're going to the island nation of jamaica we're going to have this brief conversation with michael michael tell us about growing up in jamaica i grew up in jamaica so i kind of know like the ins and outs but i know that my upbringing may be different from yours so tell us what it was like growing up in jamaica um what were your expectations were you allowed to be a child for for a certain amount of period of, of your life like did you play soccer did you Play cricket. Like, what were the expectations uh placed on you growing
4: up? Okay, so I was. Well, I'm still. Well, my parents were teachers, so there was from the beginning a, a heavy load. You understand that as a parent of a teacher, you're expected to be the model student. You know, be the model kid out there while others are doing stuff. You you aren't allowed to do it. So that was one of the the, the sorta of weights on my shoulder growing up as a as a as a youth there in Kingston. but yeah I was, I was I was I was I did enjoy my childhood. <laughs> I did make friends. I did try to pay for well, my two left foot. Yeah so there was there was enjoyment there.
0: Was there anything like you were expected to learn? Like did you have to know how to fix your bike? Did you have to know how to cook? Did you like What were the things that you expected outside of academia? Like, what did you have to know how to do?
4: Well, there was a list. Well, put it this way. As I said, as, as as a child, when you have both your parents being teachers, everybody's expecting a lot from you. I mean, even the way how I spoke. If they heard if they heard me right now, they were saying, Oh, your father teaches English and you speak so subrad, so you know, they expected to, to speak the Queen's English. Um, just a lot of a lot of expectations that that sometimes there were just too many. There were just too many. In terms of learning to, to fix a bike. As a as a Jamaican youth, you, you know you have to know how to fix a bicycle. I mean, you're not a youth unless you know that kind of stuff, how to patch a tire, all of that. But outside of what's expected of a normal Jamaican youth, you know, there was just the, oh, you have to walk the, the high and mighty road, that kind of a thing, if you get what I'm saying.
0: So, Michael, I know you mentioned that you're supposed to speak properly, but I know growing up in Jamaica, there was this this narrative that men were supposed to speak jamaican vernacular they were supposed to speak um jamaican creole because that was masculine it was rough it was tough only girls were supposed to speak formal or standard english did that apply to you growing up
4: yeah it did i mean at, at some at one point i sorta uh, rebelled from the whole thing and i remember my father was saying to me "Hey, you know look how you used to speak the, the the good english and now you just up the coarseness and i was like no it's not really coarseness it's just me expressing myself because i mean everybody around me is doing it and i just don't want to be the other one out you know yeah it looks good for you but not for me
0: okay so switching to jamaican vernacular was something that you did in order to blend in with the rest of the boys that you grew up with yeah understood. Okay. And, as
4: a, and as a form of of re- rebellion <laughs>
0: Okay, 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 okay. Rebelling against uh, <laughs> colonization. Now, we're going to move to Byron. Now, Byron grew up in Canada. He went between Canada and, and uh, the States, I think. But his parents are Caribbean or Caribbean adjacent. Byron, what was it like growing up as a Black male uh, in Canada? Were there certain things that you were told not to do and things that you should do? And how would that shape you as a person? Uh,
5: honestly, it wasn't too far or too much different from the way Michael was brought up or because my parents are Caribbean, they're from Caribbean backgrounds. But what I will say is that living in Canada or North America, it, I, I always tell people, I say we're spoiled because we didn't have to go out to the farm in the morning and, and milk the cows or, or, you know what I mean, like feed the dogs the fresh food in the morning or anything like that. I mean, my parents were very strict, you know, go to school, get a good education, stay out of trouble. But of course, like we're living where I'm living or where I was living here in Toronto, different neighborhoods, you didn't have the the most affluent upbringing. Um, There were people, you know, neighbors who, you know, like to lick shots at the end of the night. Um, So as much as your parents were trying to steer you in the right way, you know, friends and and, and the people you hung around with kind of influenced you to do other things. Um, But I remember there was a time where I went and I stayed with my grandmother in Brooklyn one summer and my cousin's The first day I got there, they told me, you know, this is not like Toronto. It's very different here. You know, you got to watch out. You got to watch your back. You got to watch how you look at people. And that, and that, that year was my very first year of actually being afraid to go outside. It was, you know, every night there was shooting and there was police and there was just kids running amok in the streets. And I remember I was so thankful that, at home I didn't have to deal with that you know what I mean like that's why I say we're spoiled because in Canada as much as you know we we all have our own different things going on struggle and and all these different things it's it's very it's worse in certain parts of the country of the world um but one of the main things was my mom and my dad were just like my dad always told me the story you know when I was 13 I had a job and I had this and my mom was just like, make sure, you know, you study and you want to become a doctor. I mean, that wasn't the path that I ended up choosing in life. But, you know, they were strict. They wanted they wanted us to be good, my, my, my brothers and sisters. They wanted us to not have to struggle. Um, but it was very different when you left the house. You know, police were always stopping you because of the color of your skin. Because you were hanging around a large group of Black kids, they always just assumed you guys are the worst, you know?
0: It's pretty much like everywhere else in the world right now, especially. So your parents gave you no direct um, direct uh, instructions about, like, navigating life as a Black male in Toronto? Because I know for me, my grandfather told me, like, these weird things because he would work in in maryland in the states and he would tell me if you go into a location and you do not know the people and no one in there looks like you never sit with your back turned to the people um because you know like you can be jumped and it has happened to his friends but rested but this happened like let's say in the 60s and 70s but he would always tell me to be mindful of certain things so it's good that you know that that whole part of you understanding that going outside and being at risk happened in the U.S. and in Canada it was it was kind of kind of like a safe haven for you, even though you had to be you know mindful that the color of your skin will result in you you getting stopped. So I so I I totally understand.
5: Yeah, now, and again, like here in in Toronto, especially like when I was when I was a bit younger, we didn't have the world that we live in today wasn't the way it was then per se. Like we didn't have to necessarily be scared to talk to the police. Even though that's one thing my, my dad made sure he told me, he you know he said, listen, you're a black man. And at the end of the day, anything you do is gonna be misconstrued or it's gonna be viewed as a negative. He will just make sure you always tell the truth and you, you try to stay out of trouble. It was very different when I went and I visited my cousins and my grandmother in the States. They were like, yo, stay away from the cops. You know stay inside if you can it's very it's very very different very different but the older i got the more those lessons started to become uh, more of be very aware of everybody rather than when i was a child it's, it's just it's mm-hmm. crazy how the world has changed
0: okay okay Uh, thanks for that, Byron. Now, before I hand over to Nadia, I just have one question for everyone. Um, Well, specifically the males right now. Was there anything specific that you were told as a boy growing up that, you know, this is what makes a man a black man? Like, was it speaking? Was it walking a particular way? Was it being able to take care of your partner, being able to take care of your children? Is there a one thing that stands out that you were told it was reiterated over and over and over again that you had to do this as a man? Go ahead, Michael. Well,
4: there's something that my father said to me that still resonates with me. He said to me, no matter what you do, be true to yourself and always tell the truth. And he was saying it in, in the backdrop of something that I did and you know I sort of lied to him about that. And he sort of detected it and he said to me, Alright, watch this. You see when you tell a lie, you hurt your own credibility. And people not gonna trust you. So don't 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 say something in order to make other people happy. Think about yourself and your people. And tell the truth. And that sort of stuck with me.
0: So I guess that was the underlying, I guess, narrative was that a man is only as good as his word. As his word, yeah. You, okay, okay, perfect. Okay, Ade, go ahead. Yeah, for me, well, you know,
3: uh, uh, the way I was brought up was that you have to be independent. You're a man. If you're not independent, it takes away that dignity of manhood from you. For you to actually be a real man, you must be independent. You must be able to feed yourself, feed your family, provide for yourself, your family, and your extended family as well. So it is a very important thing for us in Africa, being independent as a man. It's like a dignity for us.
0: Thanks, Adi. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and hand over to NADS because NADS has something that she wants to ask us. And uh, maybe it will kind of spew into uh, what Ade just spoke about. So, NADS, take it away.
1: Okay, so um, there are certain, well, based on what Ade and Michael said, that what they their parents and who's in the community taught them how to be a man. So I just want to show this out and to ask them were there any practices that you thought were like probably like beneficial to you or was it as you get older you're like, ah, I don't think this was too toxic. I don't think I need to continue with this that with your your parents instilling you. I know for for me as a, being a female but then I was told to um, always behave like a lady, always um, close my legs, always, always make sure my hair is tame, and and always be be pretty with makeup. I mean, I, I, as I get older, I, I, differ from all of, well, except closing the legs, but I always, di- I differ from wearing makeup. I differ from all of those stuff because I was like, I want to be natural. I want to wear my bare face. I don't want to put on makeup because makeup would, um, actually let me have oil in my face and my face would be, be, um, be ugly as I get older. So I want to stay my face to stay pure. But I know for a man there were certain practices that your parents would probably instill on you back in those days. So I know for like, for my husband, like there are certain expectations for that's his mother because he was brought up in a single parent family. And there were certain things that she taught him that a woman should do. And I know because of that, it caused a a wedge in our relationship. And what he had to do, he had to unlearn that because it was tearing our relationship apart. So he he had to like, okay, I'm going to compromise with my wife and understand that what my mom has taught me, like what a man's supposed to do versus what a woman's supposed to do, I have to make it my own. So I just want to throw it out today. Were there anything that you were taught back in those days that you had to depart from it because it was, too toxic or too much i wasn't pertaining to like the millennial growing I, it wasn't pertaining to what you see your morals and values know so is there um francois
0: okay so you know um i think Ali wants to go after me uh, but Adi touched on something that I think is is a huge deal in the Black community, especially with Black men. Um, we grew up learning independence, but we don't learn interdependence. So when we go into relationships, we always feel like we always have to be the breadwinner. And sometimes when we're hurting, we're going through stuff, we don't take the help that is there, the hand that is, that is stretched out, because we feel like if we we take help from someone else then we're less than a man because to be a man is to be independent so sometimes we hurt ourselves with you know learning to be independent but not knowing that at some point in time it's okay to um to take a hand because definitely learning how to be independent works works well for me but there are times where I'm going through stuff and because I have this mindset that I need to be independent, I don't get the help that I need from from people around me because I feel like it makes me less of a man or less of a person based on how I was raised. Um, another thing that I, I learned that was very toxic uh, or, or it was beneficial growing up was to not show emotion. So I could go to school and go through stuff and not be hurt, you know, be a duck, have the water, you know, run off my feathers and I'd be okay. And I find that when you don't, when you don't process as a child and, you know, I'm, I went through a couple of things growing up as a child, like, you know, family breaking up, stuff like that, um, you know, physical abuse, but you don't get the chance to show that emotion and what happens is that when you grow older you don't process emotions well so you could be hurt i don't i don't necessarily cry for purpose <laughs> if someone if someone dear to me dies it takes a lot for me to cry me crying now is out of anger because i cannot process anger well and because i can't do something irrational i cry and that rarely ever happens because Black men aren't supposed to cry. They're not supposed to show emotion. They're not supposed to project how they feel inside. And I feel like a lot of Black men, um, just they, they end up being hurt because they're not able to process their emotions well. And sometimes it's going into relationships um, with women that allow them to kind of like fix that part of themselves where, okay, it's okay for me to be vulnerable at this point. Wow, that's that's it's interesting you say that. I'm just going to jump in real quick um, because for me it's, it's
5: kind of the same thing. I have never seen my dad cry. I see my dad cry once, and I I had a, a an emergency operation I had to have completely just out of the blue. I was 21 years old for the first 21 of my years of my life. I had never seen my dad cry. I had never seen him shed a tear. I was never Told necessarily that you know man's not supposed to cry like my older brothers and stuff said that but they never. my dad never said a man's not supposed to cry what he did portray and what he did show was that yo you're a man stand up with your back straight shoulders out and act like a man and like you said as a child if you're not shown you know a certain type of emotion or if you're not taught how to show emotion you can grow up to be the type of person that only cries out of anger because I don't know how to process my feelings. That's one thing about me. Like even as an adult now, I, I don't really show emotion because I just never was that type of person. But like you said, I feel I feel I feel like parents nowadays should really let their kids know, male or female or whatever gender they're choosing to be, um, that yo, it's okay if you feel some kind of way or it's okay to express yourself not in a disrespectful way but you know be able to say what you feel so that it doesn't turn into this toxic you know keep it all inside and then when something really goes to a certain limit, you explode you know what I mean like it's okay like it's my, my dad never really hugged me and I don't think it was because he didn't want to or it's... I just think it's the, it, it was a cycle. His dad never hugged him when he was young. You know, even for me and my dad to hug now, I feel like it's kind of awkward. You know what I mean? Like, we'll dap each other, we'll we'll give the little, you know, shoulder tug and all that kind of stuff to chin up, but to actually hug? Like, we don't really hug, you know what I mean?
1: Okay, thanks for that, Byron. Um, I think Addy, wants to chime in now?
3: Yeah, I. as a matter of fact, it's so interesting right now because I thought I was the only one on the boat, this boat of emotions, until I heard you guys speak about it as well. It is something that has really affected me. I'm not going to lie about that. As a man, I, I guess that's why we're all black men anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's difficult for you to see a black man shed tears to show emotions. Growing up, like just like Byron said now, I, I don't think I've ever seen my father cry. No. So it is, it, it is something that I took from that. And hiding my emotions right now, I see it's really affecting me a lot. It's affected my relationship as well with my wife. If there's anything... I quarrel with uh, my wife. Quarrel with me, with over it is showing emotions and communications, and I see that it is very important. And I'm surprised that I'm not the only one in the boat. Uh, we about four guys here, and almost every one of us we sharing the same experience. Apparently, we have millions of black men out there that are also in this kind of boat, and this is not a very good uh way to live. This is not something that is, uh, that, that is okay in this century, in this day and age. We really need to unlearn this and show our emotions. We are human beings. God created us as human beings. God created emotions for every one of us. We need to show our emotions, communicate. Many times, so many times our emotions even communicate louder than what we say, the way we react to things. It, it goes a long way to express how we feel about life. So I think it's, it is it is something we should all try to unlearn and change that mentality that we grew up with.
1: Wow, thank you for that. Um, I can totally relate to that. Um, so I'm just going to share, like, for the experience that I have with my husband, that he doesn't... I, I've never seen my father um, actually cry or anything, and how he, how he, the pressure that he put on my brother, it was the same thing. But then I also see that with my husband. So I am this, I'm that type of wife. I would probably pick on him to get certain emotions out of him. It's probably not the best thing, but I just want him to open up to me. So I know because sometimes he do bustle up things and then there's a big explosion and then I don't, I no longer know him. So um, I, it is something that he had to unlearn, and he's still going through that process. To like to just open up, you know, open up, cry if you need to cry. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think of you less of a man if you cry, you know. I'm gonna think you're more of a man because you're you're free to share your emotions. So this is just my, from a woman's perspective, how do I feel if a man gets emotional and share their how they feel? Um, so I just want to um, ask Shad to just chime in to see if she have any thoughts about um, all of this. Shad?
2: I mean, it's similar as well. Uh, I can't remember a time that I've seen my dad cry or my stepdad. I don't think I've ever seen them do both. Do I know that they have emotions? Do I know that they're human? Yes, Um, they probably have cried in private uh, for all the reasons that the men on this panel have expressed. Um, It is unfortunate because I feel that by bottling that emotion and that's for anyone when you bottle emotion it causes a ripple effect in ways where, because of that, builds up um, frustration and anger, you release it in other ways that you don't intend on doing. Um, I've seen, I've also never seen my grandfather cry with again. My grandfather's a G. I don't think he's ever been in a situation where he has to cry. Because <laughs> Tauruses <laughs> don't cry in public. We don't let people see us cry. Amen. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen my brother cry, of course. Um, I've seen my cousin, my male cousin cry. But... Uh I think because our family like nowadays, like we're allowed to show emotions, so it's not like why are you cry and stiffen up that upper lip, like man up, no one's telling you that anymore. It's like you're free to express how you're feeling and it's okay to talk about your emotions, and I think that's a good start. Um I know if I have a son I intend on letting them know it's okay to cry because I don't want them to be in a situation where because they're told to do the opposite it causes problems in other areas Um, and I would feel horrible as a parent that I've led them to that state. Uh, But that's just me. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's reasons why black men especially are told to never show emotion. And you guys do go through so much um, in society. And it's like you're basically having to put on a brave face, which leads me into my question. (laughs) Um, how has the recent changes in the world of COVID and BLM changed how you view yourself as a Black male? And I want to start with Byron.
5: Um, it, I don't think it's really, I don't really think that this has really changed how I view myself as a Black man. Uh, I always knew that we as Black men are powerful um, within ourselves. I always knew that the world didn't view us as powerful beings, that they viewed us as, you know, minor entities, that they viewed us as um, thugs, regardless of class, regardless of job. I think what this, what's going on right now with, with Black Lives Matter is it's showing the world how powerful we really are it's showing the world and not just black men but black women it's showing the world that you know whatever we do in life it matters i i always knew that you know my parents always made sure and told me you know you're a king you know don't let nobody tell you that you're not good enough don't let nobody and you know they told you that so that when people did tell you that, that you didn't really take that on. Um, and I didn't, you know, I mean, yeah, there were times where people would say things and it kind of, you know, was, was discouraging. But all in all, I knew that we were powerful people and I knew that we were feared people. It's just now that the world is now like, oh, shoot, they're not just thugs and, you know, ghetto jing bangs. Yo, these people are actually... Like, their lives really do matter. They they have something to say. They're not just, you know, hooligans. They actually have sense. And what a time to be alive. You know what I mean?
2: I hear you. I mean, I think it's sad at the same time that it took so much negative things to happen for them to see that there is so much good that the Black man has to offer and has been offering for ever. Yeah,
3: for
0: sure, for sure. Um, How did it shape, like, I think uh, COVID stayed inside, um, watching the Black Lives Matter protests, um, watching Ahmaud Arbery as well as George Floyd. Um, Watching George Floyd on the pavement cry out for his mother kind of, it to me, it spoke to the vulnerability of black men and how we I, look, he like George Floyd is massive. He's, he's a big dude or he was a big dude. And for a guy that, that the huge to, to literally cry for his mother, that was, that basically defied all the myths that black men do not show emotion. They don't have emotions. And and just just watching that it, it 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 stirred something in me because if someone that that big is on the ground crying out for his mom, maybe it's time for black men to be more vocal about their emotions. Maybe we should start to speak up. Um, how how did it shape how I navigated life as a black man? I think it was always there. I've always had my fair share of like run-ins, but it has motivated me to speak out a little bit more, to point out some of the problematic things that people do because sometimes even in the workplace, black men are invisible. Like outside of the elevator or the parking garage, which I've shared where people have double locked their cars, Um, Even if their car is older than mine, like people literally do that or they clutch their purses or phones um, when we get into the elevator, which is weird because we work for a telecom. Um, So like outside of that, I'm, I'm more vocal and I will call it microaggressions because if we don't make the habit of doing these things, black men in in corporate north america will just be will just continue to be invisible even with promotions we'll continue to be invisible because people think of us as a threat we're going to speak out we're going to we're going to do stuff so we we usually just stay in the background and we don't get promoted or we don't move on to certain things just because people feel like if they put us in a place of power that we may may abuse it so Speaking out against these things and and just knowing that representation matters just because of the protests, that has helped me tremendously to to grow as a Black male.
2: I agree with everything that you said. It is very important to speak up and call out um, anyone who thinks it's okay to put people down and put down your existence uh adi how do you feel
3: well uh i'll tell the same line with what uh uh francois said and byron likely said as well being a black man and during this COVID 19 and uh, black lives matter hasn't changed who i am i'm a black man and i'm proud to be black any day, anytime, and I'll stand up for myself. It is high time we black men stood up for ourselves. Yeah, a lot of things happen in this world that makes uh, black men, that puts us, uh, we black men uh, put us up as a target. But I tell you, if we all stand up to speak for ourselves, to show the world that yes, we've got this in us, and we can become whatever we want to be. Like Francois said, they are scared of black men. They know a black man, if he gets up today and says, I want to become this in the next two years, he will achieve it. We have that spirit. We have that ability to achieve whatever we want to achieve. We don't just talk. We talk and we walk the talk that we talk. So they are scared of us. We need to stand up right now, speak for ourselves, take a stand. Nothing should change who you are. If you're a black man, be proud of who you are. Be proud of your skin color. Be proud of your heritage. Be proud of who you are. We didn't choose to be black. God made us black. And for God to make us black, then there's something, there's a great potential in every one of us. And this we should show to the world. They don't want us to show it. They don't want to see it, but we should stand up. We should let them see. Against all odds, I know every black man. We can be whoever we want to be.
2: That is, that was so beautifully said. I honestly, I loved every. I hope every black male who listens to this podcast episode take. In everything that you just said, because I felt that, and I'm a woman, um, Michael. You're silent, and I want to hear from you.
4: Well, much and has been are. said, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pretty much everything that the guy said before. They, they said they said everything I wanted to say, but I just want to add to that and say that the Black Lives Matter movement has made me very hopeful. I mean, I'm I'm really hopeful. And I'm really hoping that things will change. Because sometimes things things started and things get started and we don't really get to see them through. You know? Sometimes we get so sidetracked. With there's a whole lot of noise right now. But we don't we need to seal the deal. We need to get it down and get some sign up, some sort of legislative win that we sort of push, you know, make make these things into law. And we're getting some pushback on that front. So yeah theres a lot of noise and there's a lot of stuff going on, but we do need to get this thing down on paper that that's 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 the only thing that I see right there and as a black man yeah you're always confident in yourself because you know who you are you understand it doesn't matter what they're saying about you or how, or how others see you you know yourself and you know you know what it is they stand for what are your dreams what are your aspirations and what you what you plan to do and how you get to plan to, to fulfill those dreams. So it doesn't matter what they, how they see you as hoodlums, if they want to get you down, it doesn't matter. You know your worth. And you just have to stick by it.
2: I wanted to ask you something specifically, Michael, um, because you are in JA, um, a black man, like, fighting colorism and just, like, your presence in the office, uh, how you present yourself or how you're expected to present yourself, you're here, your parents, all that. What's that like for you? Well, well, you know, down in JA,
4: we don't have the levels that we have over in the US and so forth. But I mean, it was a, a thing at one, at one point um, in terms of how you presented yourself, I think right now the big thing is where you come, where you're coming from, and the address that you put down on on your resume, or so on and so forth, that can either open doors or close them really, really tight for you. So, in terms of the color of your skin, that was that was there at one point, but that has faded away. That has faded away rapidly. So,
2: that's comforting about the colorism aspect. It's still unfortunate that we still have a socioeconomic issue, it seems, and, and address is such a big deal still. Um, hopefully that's something that changes. Um,
4: yeah, let, let's, let's hope that that changes.
2: Because everyone should be um, entitled to opportunities and how can people grow if we're judging them by where they live, right? that stifles the economy, in my opinion. I don't know if anyone feels the same. Um, but Doug, I wanna throw it back to Dougie cause he is our main host and he might have a few words to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, in closing, guys, I like to, with season two of *Little Swan*, I like to always leave with lessons learned. And something I learned today was the the emotional part of Black men. I thought that it was somehow tied to being brought from Africa to the new world. And in order to to thrive or in order to survive, we masked or, um, our emotions by not crying, by not, you know, because your family was being ripped apart. You were being taken to different places i thought that was a coping mechanism that we somehow developed in the new world when we moved here but it's it's refreshing to know that yo this was actually from africa like black men just don't cry or show emotions um no there is a series that's on youtube it's called Meet the Mitchells. It's with Tammy Chin and Wayne Marshall. If you don't know them, they're Jamaican celebrities. Now, the funny thing about Wayne Marshall and Tammy Chin is that their their style of parenting is actually pretty new age, but it's 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 so refreshing to see. Wayne allows his boys to be boys, but at the same time, he allows them to show emotions. In closing, I know Ade is a parent. I'm not quite sure about Michael. What are we leaving for the next generation? Like, how are we parenting? Are we parenting the same ways where, yo, you have to be this way. You have to play it by the book, no emotions. You don't speak about how you feel. Um, you have to be independent. There is no room for interdependency. Like you have no friends. You cannot take help from your spouse. Are we teaching that to our boys moving forward? Are we teaching that to our girls moving forward? Or are we leaving that in the past and we're recreating what it means to be a Black parent? And I want to start with Ade because I think Ade has children. Yeah, thank you very much, Francois.
3: Uh, I have three kids, two boys and a girl. So right now, I'm doing my best to let my son know, or my boys, actually, uh, I have one that is just two years old, so he doesn't know anything right now yet. But the elder one, I let him know that you are a black man. Wherever you go, stand for what you believe. Stand for your right. Don't let anyone shut you down. You can be whoever you want to be. Don't get intimidated by anyone. Don't let nothing intimidate you. You can become who you want to be. And also, I've been teaching him as well, you need to request for help from people. Let people help you. It doesn't matter even if it's a lady or a man. If you need help, call for help. So many times he comes to me at home and says, "Uh, Daddy, can you do this for me? I tell him, Go give it to your sister, let your sister help you. And it's like, ah, she's a girl. I said, yes, you need everyone's help. Go meet your sister, let your sister help you We did. So we need to let our boys growing up now, we need to let them know that there are things in life that they can't do the same way we have done. The mistakes we made, all our parents made, bringing us up this way, we shouldn't allow our children, our boys, to grow up knowing the same thing. We should let them know that this life, you need to show emotions. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make you uh, an infidel. Showing your emotions doesn't mean you're not a man. No. It just shows exactly that you're a human being. You're whom God has created you to be. You're not a solid rock. Come on. Rocks do bleed as well. So if something is making you to bleed, bleed. You need it. You need to show that emotion. We need to see that, yes, you're a human being. So we also need to let them know that we need everyone to become who we want to become. You need help from everyone. Your wife, your friends. If you need help, call out for help. We shouldn't raise our boys to be rigid like our parents did for us. We shouldn't raise our boys to be just independent and not interdependent. So we should change the way uh, we raise our children Or We shouldn't let the way our parents did for us, we shouldn't let it affect the way we're gonna raise our boys.
0: Thanks for that Ade. Now, Byron has his hand up. So Byron, what do you have to say?
5: (laughs) Uh, I definitely agree with Ade. You know, teach teach the, our kids to to love and, and how to be loved. Um, show them how to speak their mind. You know, not in a disrespectful way, but be able to say, you know, Mom, the way you talk to me, you know, is disrespectful. It's it's one thing to be to be a parent and to be hard on your kids and show your kids, but I've seen parents who straight disrespect their kids. Straight disrespect. You know, show your kids love and respect. To hug them, men. Hug your sons. It's okay. It doesn't mean your son is soft. You know, and and not just your sons, your little brothers. Like, you know, there's. It's not just about teaching your kids. It's about teaching our kids. Uh, you know, our boys, our our cousins, our, our younger siblings, our friends' younger siblings. Be a bigger brother to. To, to the people in your community. If you see the kids, you know, your neighbor's kids running around not knowing what's, you know, what's right and what's wrong, just be like, yo, you know, young man, my you, you know, this is not what you go about doing things in life. You know, X, Y, Z, because sometimes there's not a parent in the home. There's not a dad in the home. Sometimes there's not a mom in the home. Sometimes it's just grandma. Sometimes it's just auntie, big sister. And, you know, in trying to provide for their kids, sometimes lessons are lost. Sometimes I can't show love. I can't show you love because I'm not home. I'm so busy working. I'm trying to, to put a roof over your head. But, you know, everybody out there, just just take a minute to to hug the younger generation. Show them the way. You know what I mean? Not just a dad to his son, to his daughter, not just a mom to her kids, But but a brother to a brother, a
0: brother to a sister. You know what I mean? understood do you so you mentioned something about the home being like it could be they it could be missing a parent it could be missing both parents it could just be grandma do you feel that in black people just being black people and i think this is a a thing with immigrants and people of color is that they work so hard and sometimes in just working hard they they kind of like just pass it off as love if i'm able to feed you if i'm able to send you to school if i'm able to to provide for you that is how i show love because that's how my my grandmother my mother my sister my dad showed me love do you feel like it, it's it's not that they don't show love, but they just, they their acts of kindness, they kind of like double that in as, as love. So I don't need to tell you I love you. I don't need to tell you that I care about you. I don't need to hug you because you have a place to sleep. You have food. You go to school. You're not sick. Do you feel like that's something that we do? Yes, 150%. Um, love isn't
5: just in materialistic things. You know, love isn't just I provide a roof over your head, so that means I love you. I provide food on the table, so that means I love you. Guess what? There's a lot of murderers who provide homes and who provide food for their table for their children that they beat, lock in cages, and kill. It's not love. And growing up, I know it's funny because you, know, you hear moms say, oh, your dad is, you know, this, he only thinks that giving money is a way of, of providing and, and loving you. And, and you got to look at it and be like, this is exactly what you're talking about. Dads or moms think that by giving you money, child support, or by giving you a place to stay, that that equates to love. And this is why a lot of our generation grows up and we don't know how to love. We think that, me loving this girl is me buying her a Birkin bag, you know what I mean. Me loving this girl is is showing up in a whip that I can't afford to impress her. That's not love. At the end of the day, something something my mom my mom said once. She goes, you know, her mom told her once, "I would rather be broke and have all my children in the home struggling than be rich." and be outside and have a nanny. And in that moment, I knew exactly what she meant. She meant she would rather show her kids love and affection 24 seven by being there rather than having to go outside and get a roof for them. So I think that the younger generation of parents need to really understand that providing a house, a home, food, doesn't necessarily equate love that is a basic human right i think is to be in a home with a roof over your head to have food on the table if not it doesn't equate to love and that's and and showing that you love someone or showing someone how to receive love because it's one thing to show someone love but it's it's also something to teach them how to receive the love that you give them
1: I could not have said it
2: better myself, Byron, because I too feel that way, where a lot of people think that material objects um, equate to love, and we had mentioned it in one of our episodes, like people have different love languages, and there are people who genuinely crave quality time, and there are kids who appreciate their parents' sacrifices, but it's really nice to have them present and spend that time because those simple moments, they're they're such a big deal. Um, And those parents don't realize that until it's too late. And it is our job um, raising the new generation to fix those holes that were are placed in our lives and not repeat those things for our kids because who wants to raise a messed up generation because they're going to control the world soon and whose fault is that going to be uh nadia go ahead okay.
1: okay. and after so, you it's michael okay so i heard what um byron was saying that this generation for me i know like for my father my father generation that his dad would show the love by by feeding him you know if i give you if, if i give you a big plate of food i'm showing you that i love you because at the time in those days That's the only thing he could provide. He couldn't provide material stuff, but he could provide food because he had a farm. So um, that is what, and because of that, that is how my dad would actually treat us. Oh, because I'm paying your school fee, I love you. Because I'm giving you lunch money, I love you. But for me, for me and my husband, given the new generation, I think the new millennials or the new generation are trying to change that because I know for myself and my husband we are we are more involved in our daughter's life. We don't use we don't throw money at her. We are we show her affection. We show her love. We tell her we tell her I love you. We allow her to express herself and these are the things that we took on as parents as well as my, my husband, he's like he's there for her, your dad is a little girl. These are the little things that um He would ensure that he does from a father perspective back in his father's days this wasn't i you didn't have men around their girls too much because oh that's the mother's job to to grow a little girl. they didn't see how much impact they would have on their girls' life, so I think. Yes, you have do at some point, but I think the millennials are trying to change that narrative, and as you can see with the Meet the Mitchells, they're changing they're they're telling their boys, get emotional and you and we can give a lot of uh, millennials who are changing how our parents has actually bring us up and how we are saying we want our kids to talk up, and we can see the like assassin Wife when she, when she empowered her, her, her little girl like Elsie to say, okay, speak up. And, 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 and it's okay to speak up and it's okay to, to be comfortable in skin. It's okay to wear your Afro. So I don't, I don't think the new generation is actually following what our parents were doing. We are changing the narrative. We're changing the game.
0: Thanks, Nads. Uh, Michael had something to say Michael? Yeah, um
4: it was basically after what um Byron said, but I think it was Chad's who, who touched on it. Basically, I was saying about quality time. Um we need to spend quality time with our kids and communicate because sometimes we we, we do some we do stuff and we assume that they know that hey, you know, this is our way of showing us that we love them. But sometimes we have to sit down with them and say, Hey, you know, um Daddy's making a sacrifice right here, you know? He has to work overtime today in order to ensure that X, Y, Z happens, you know? That, That I wish, as a youth growing up, I had that because I did grow up and see my father working really hard. It's not until I got older and had my, my daughter that I realized, wow, you know, it's it's a big responsibility to have a child and you just want the best for them. So you can easily get carried away with just working, working, working to ensure that, all right, they go to the best schools, make sure that they don't want anything, you know, any, as soon as you cry, especially if it's, a, if it's a girl, you want to make sure that she's all right. But communication is something that is very much key right there. Um, she has to know, at least when she gets to, to, to the age of understanding, I plan to sit and and... And just show her how life is, you know, because I never really got that. It's that just growing up, you pick up one and two things along the way. And you realize that, oh, that time when daddy said that, oh, that's what he meant. You know, it's just not, no, when you're an adult, you you realize that. And we're not talking about just throwing money at your kids like that. Because you don't want them to grow a sense of entitlement. Or, oh, daddy has to buy this for me. And if he doesn't buy this for me, then, you know, all oh, hell I'm going to. No, you have to really... Start them and let them understand that. All right, you know, I know you want this, but I don't really feel that like this is the best for you right now. I believe that X, Y, Z is better, and then allow them to to interject. And you know, you come to something that's fear between you and them because really and truly, um, I, I think it's at that age one to five is where they make the personality and. After that, it's really hard to change them. So at that time, you want to ensure that you have the best amount of time with them to ensure that you mold them in the best way so that they can become little leaders for growing up to become big leaders as well. Um, In terms of gender roles now, when you're growing up, the way I think I'm going to grow up with my kids is I don't want any gender roles. You know, sometimes you have the stereotype, all right, the man take care of the outside and the woman take care of the inside. She can cook clean and wash but in my book, everybody has to learn everything. Everybody has to be well-rounded because you don't know where life can carry you. You don't want to say, "As a man, all right, then my woman have to cook, clean, and wash, and me just are bringing in the money." You don't know what happened later on down the line when hey, you can't provide, you get laid off. What going happen? And your wife start making more money than you. You know that, that's the kind of thing that can really mess you up. Yeah.
0: Right that's <laughs> thanks 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 michael that was that was deep because you know we are closing off but the fact that you said that men are supposed to know how to do just about everything in the home regardless of the gender roles that are created for us by society just in case you know Hits the fan, he needs to know how to be able to function if his wife now has to be the breadwinner. Because I think a lot of men are terrified that there's going to be a point in time where the woman is possibly gonna be making money or making more money, and it takes away from his manhood. So I'm glad that you're able to say that in moving forward, that is what we are teaching our children, and that is where we're we're moving on because a lot of men go out there, as you said, and they they can't cope if you leave mommy's house or daddy's house and you can't but you can't do anything but boil water or make an egg then what is there to do you're going to live on burger king and mcdonald's and kfc every day of your life so thanks for the discourse guys um i'm not sure if anybody has anything else to say but i just want to thank everybody for coming on today and sharing their unique views Um, I think Byron wants to say one last thing before he goes. Go ahead, Byron. I just want to say Black Lives Matter. Fams, really? (laughs) 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 You interrupted my clothes to do that. It's fine. And I'm holding my fist high in the air.
1: Wow. (laughs) Be <laughs> it
2: loud I'm black and I'm proud, so proud I'm proud black. Thanks,
0: God. Yeah. so from me here at North Latuan, as well as the other melanated people on the panel until next time walk good